Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the third episode of the Adversity Podcast. Today, we have a special guest, one that has a lot of personality, a lot of jobs, and someone who, to me, has taken the sports media world by storm. It's Daniel Bain. <laughs> what an intro, Nick. <laughs> Told you it was, wow. it was really good. Did you say I have a lot of personality because I just bother you every single Marley's game? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll go for it. Uh, so, I have a number of things that I want to talk to you about. First of all, we're going to start off with this intro because as much as there is a lot of things to cover, I, I need to ask, what's it like to have so many jobs? <laughs> you got uh, the Marlies, you're the ringside reporter for them. Let's see if I can remember all these. You're an anchor reporter for City News. Six, is it 680 still? Yeah. Okay. City and then News 680. you are also a content contributor at hockey of tomorrow yes so what's it like doing all those jobs you know what it sounds insane but i'm so lucky that they schedule around each other so marley's any leaf stuff that i do with mlsc i already know what the schedule is because i can see the hockey season therefore i go to 680 i give them my availability because i'm just part-time there they schedule around that and then hockey of tomorrow great company um Basically, I just work on my own time and create content, some articles, some things like that. So that's kind of like I work there as much as I can. Um, but yeah, I'm lucky that everything kind of schedules around each other. So I want to ask about Hockey of Tomorrow because that's, it's a really interesting, it's new. Yeah. Uh, not I, I, I wouldn't say a lot of people know so much about it, but maybe talk a little bit about what it is and you know, what you're doing with them. Yeah. So Hockey of Tomorrow hasn't even officially launched yet. Oh, it hasn't? Yeah. The launch is coming at the end of March, but it seems like it's a real thing because the Twitter's active. So they're very active in the Twitter world on other socials and they kind of just want their brand to be noticed so that when they do the official launch, um, it's a, a content platform and a business that people already may have heard of. Mm -hmm. So basically the company itself focuses on the issues that people don't really want to talk about within hockey. So diversity, you know, accessibility, things like that. Um, and just people that might not get the spotlight. Like we did a really cool event where we covered Canadian blind hockey. And I did a little video about what it, what it even is. Mm -hmm. Like I just went into it totally not knowing anything and just wanting to learn kind of what it was. So little things like that, that don't really get a chance to be known. They just want to highlight things like that. So there's about 15 content contributors around North America, all covering different things that they find interesting articles, videos. They're going to have podcasts at some point in the future. So it's a great company. It's a lot of different people and the, the team is really diverse as well. Why did you want to, or why did you join them? I joined Hockey of Tomorrow because, honestly, I was a very sheltered, naive person growing up. I was in a family where I was lucky enough that my parents could afford to put me in hockey, so I played my whole life. It's literally my favorite sport. I love it so much. And there was a situation where I was probably in my early 20s, and I had a coworker, and we were having, you know, some good chats, some deep chats, and he's openly gay and he let me know that going into a gym, like a good life, for example, to this day, still gives him anxiety. And I was like, what, why? Injuries, like so naive. And he told me, no, it's because growing up, he never felt comfortable in a gym space, in gym class, weight room, anything like that, because he was just bullied for so long. And I was like, what? I had no idea. And in that moment, it just hit me that so many other people have had terrible experiences in the sports world. And I was one of those lucky people that sports gave me everything. My friends, um, my whole family's into sports. Like growing up, it was everything to me. So to, to hear someone that I care about not have a good experience, I thought, whoa, no, we need to change this. So ever since then, I've just been trying to fix things. Like I, I will do whatever I can. I volunteer with an organization called Heroes and it teaches hockey to kids that can't afford to play and new immigrants and things like that. So I try, I try and just 
fix the sport. And I know a lot of people are trying to do the same. There's some issues here and there, but that's why I wanted to join Hockey of Tomorrow to just be a part of the change. How did you get involved in hockey? I know you've told me before you're a Montreal Canadiens fan, but how, like, where did watching hockey start for you? Watching hockey started from a young age. So my great grandmother was the biggest Habs fan, biggest Habs fan ever. My whole dad's side's from Montreal and she would bring, you know, her grandkids to the airport to welcome the Habs home from long road trips. Okay. And I'll never forget. She was so excited one time that she literally, well, I'll, I'll, I wasn't alive at this point, but I'll never forget the story. She was at the airport welcoming the Habs home from a long road trip, a lot of fans there. And she was so excited that she literally had a heart attack. And Jean Beliveau saw her and saw a woman in distress and kind of like, you know, got her free from the crowd and helped get her to an ambulance and things like that. So that's where it all started in the family. Um, But then growing up, my brothers played hockey. And for the longest time, my parents didn't think that I wanted to play because I was so bored at my brother's hockey games and things like that. But when I turned eight or nine, I was like, Dad, it's time get this girl on a team. So I played my whole life, watched my whole life. And yeah, I taught hockey and skating in university. And now I volunteer. And yeah, I'm, I'm definitely immersed in the hockey world now. I, I, when I did my research, found some fascinating things on your LinkedIn. Okay. You didn't start in journalism. No. A B, you had a BA in kinesiology and exercise science. That's true. So is that like, was that right after high school for you? You went there and did that? Yep, it was. So what, what made you go from that to, you know, going to start broadcast journalism at College of Sports Media? Well, first things first, I do believe it's a struggle for people coming right out of high school to choose what they want to do. Yeah. You're so young. You don't know what you're doing. You feel, some people feel like, oh, I need to go to university and do what my friends are doing. Or some parents pressure you to go to university. And listen, I'm not going to get into the topic of parenting because God knows, I don't know what that's like. But I was on the track to go to university and I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea what I was interested in. Um, I at least took sciences until grade 12 just to keep the options open for everything. And I applied for the kinesiology program truly because I just love sports. That's literally why. I didn't have plans in my head to be a physiotherapist or a chiropractor or something like that. Mm -hmm. I truly just love sports so much. And I knew that there were a lot of optional credits in that program where you can kind of pick and choose some things here and there that were intriguing to me. So that's why I went for it. I had no idea what I was going to do with my life. And then when, when did you decide that a switch was needed? (laughs) Well, I did finish and graduated with that undergrad in kinesiology and, um, went on a Euro trip, classic post-graduation adventures. And I was a tree planter as well. Okay. Um, so I was just doing things to pass the time, make some money. Cause at that point still, I graduated university and I still had no idea what I was doing with my life. I know some people can relate. Um, and then I just started working. I was working at Lululemon. Shout out Lululemon. Yep. Good discount. Um, and I was working there for a couple of years, just making money, just figuring out kind of like what was going on. And I had a coworker there who I met and she had told me, you know, I just moved here from Vancouver. I'm like, oh, what brings you here school? She goes, yeah, I'm going to a private college in Toronto called the College of Sports Media. I'm like, What? never heard of that place. What do you mean? She told me, you know, I want to be a sports broadcaster. And that exact moment, I was like, whoa, Mm -hmm. I love talking. I love sports. (laughs) This sounds amazing. And so it was kind of a a little sparked idea at that point. Nothing serious at all. But once I did some research on the school and kind of thought about things more, I thought this could be something that I could get behind. I was never into writing, journalism, that kind of thing growing up but when it's a topic that you're interested in yeah everything changes I thought I would never be a writer I would never be this 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 but I guess it's all about the topic yeah that that's how it was like with me when I I I didn't know what I wanted to do outside of like after high school so I 
I just worked a job at Walmart. Uh, and then I, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And then two years or three years later, I actually did a Europe trip too. Yep. Uh, after high school. And then I got back and I was like, okay, like I need to figure this out. So I ended up going to Seneca for broadcast journalism. And yeah, it's the same thing for me. Like I remember when, like, I don't know if you had this in your journalism, but like they get you to, everyone stands up and they're like, why are you here? That's what they did for me. And they're like, why do you like journalism? And I was like, well, listen, I wasn't good enough for hockey, so I might as well get into it somehow other way. So reporting on it. Um, and in high school, like I was, I was a slacker kid. I was into video games. I, I never wanted to do work. Like I just wanted to do video games and that was it. So there was a point in high school, I was taking all like applied courses, no, and college courses, no university courses. And at one point I got put into, it's called writer's craft. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Never took it, but I know what you're talking about. And I was about. like, it's funny. Cause you were like, I didn't ha I didn't like have any writing experience or anything. And like, for me, when I got into that class, I was like, nope, this is not it. I'm, I'm leaving. So I left. But somehow I still found my way and now I freaking write about article write about the Toronto Marlies and Toronto Maple Leafs. It, it's weird. It's weird how you know you you think you're never gonna do something mm -hmm. and then a few years later you're there doing it. Yeah, no, I can totally relate to that. I feel like once you find the path, you still never know if what you're choosing to do is right. Yeah. You just go for it and then hopefully along the way you think is this right for me? And that's kind of what I was going to go with. So I, I applied to that college, got in and started going there. And within the first couple months, I thought nothing feels like work here. Mm -hmm, yeah. It didn't feel like homework or, you know, projects that were dreadful or you're up at night because you're like, oh my God, I have that paper in a week, but I'm a slacker and I'm not going to start it till the day before. And it's on degenerative eye disease at, you know, this study and blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. So the fact that I was going to that college every single day excited and that sounds like keener vibes, but I swear to God, I would get up and be like, all right, time to go to school. And it was actually fun. Yeah. So that was a big difference for me because I felt like university loved it to death, had amazing experiences, great school, but the actual learning environment and the style and some of the courses that I was learning had, I had no interest in. Mm -hmm. So it was tough. Now what, like for me, we had all, I guess yours is sport, more sports, like central. So what type, like, did you do, you did newscasts? Did you do live reporting? Yeah. So the best thing about this college was knowing that you're going to learn everything. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people that I was in school with didn't actually want to be on air. There were a lot of people who were interested in video editing you know, producing, writing, that kind of thing. So the cool thing is you do get all of the skills, which I really liked, especially not knowing what I wanted to do. Cause I yeah. was also one of those people who thought, you know, I, I really do enjoy the on-air aspect, but I also enjoy producing. So I was very, you know, up in the air, like, what do I want to do? Um, but yeah, they teach you everything, radio, television, on-air, producing the technical stuff. So it was good. Yeah. For me, it was so like, where I went to school, it was like up at Keel and Steeles, like York University's campus. Yeah. So like we'd have sometimes 8 a.m. classes and it was like 8 a.m. you're going on TV. Like we had newscasts. So like my teachers, this one specific teacher that I had, or maybe a bunch of them, they're like, listen, we're going to we're, we're doing this real like this is for your demos. You need to have makeup. You need yeah. to be dressed up. So like there are days where um, like I'd have to take the GO train to Union Station from Pickering and go up all the way to York University's campus. So it would it would take like an hour long commute. So I'd have to wake up at six and I didn't know how to do makeup. So like my girlfriend Asia lived with my parents and I. And like I'd have to get her up and I'd be like, can you do my makeup? So she'd wake up, do my makeup and then go to bed. And like, yeah, no, it, but to me too, like it, it never felt like work. Like I was yeah. always, I woke up and I was so excited to yeah. go and it's crazy. And like for me now, like I'm 
I'm thinking differently. Like it, it still does not feel like work, but it's not as enjoyable as it once was. Like we talked about that even before coming on, but, but yeah, no. So that's, that's, it's always, again, it's interesting. You know, you think you're wanting to do one thing. And for me, like I always thought beat reporter for the Leafs, that's it. That's all I want to do. And then, you know, I talked about it in my first episode, which is already out. It's not out yet, but, uh, I, like I talk about how, you know, I'm so focused on one thing and like you have this dream of doing something and then, you know, you get so close to it and then you're like, okay, me, I don't want to do this anymore. So that's weird, but it, it is, it's, it's so odd, like thinking you want to do something and then just totally switching. Well, that's this industry to a T because there are so many different jobs within Mm -hmm. this industry and your career might be centered around one at one point, but at any point you could be pivoting to something else, whether it's a different sport entirely or a different role within that sport. And I feel like you, no matter your age or how long you've been doing something, you need to keep your mind open to other things within the industry because it's always changing. Yeah. Did when you went to college of sports media, did they ever tell you, this is what my school told me was like, if you want to make it in Toronto, you got to leave and then you got to come back. So that was the advice for sure. A lot of the teachers did say, if you want on air experience, then you're most likely going to get it in a smaller market. So you should move away. Um, you know, they did say there's other avenues, especially digital now. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more opportunity on the digital end to stay in Toronto and still get that on-air experience, but they did advise to move away. So you lived in Thunder Bay, you lived in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Um, what what was it like, I guess, where did, you went to school, let's see if I have it on here. I do not. Where did you... What university did you go to for kinesiology? Laurier. So you moved away already. Yep. So you you lived away from home. I, I I feel like though it's kind of different when you move from, you know, you go to university, you have friends there. Yeah. Um, but if you go from, you know, your parents' house to Thunder Bay. Yeah. What what was that like? Like just moving somewhere with no family, I'm assuming, was it just you that just yep. was on your own? Yep. What was that all like? It was interesting. Like, what's what's funny about me as a person is I've never been homesick before, <laughs> which is wild. But growing up, I went to a summer camp, like, overnight. I think at age, like, eight, my mom was so worried about me, sending me off to camp. And when she picked me up, I was crying because I didn't want to leave. <laughs> so I've always just been ready for the adventure, ready to put myself out there. So I think that helps. But also you're right. Like I was moving to a place that I'd never been before really far, not just a quick drive home, most likely a flight. Um, And I did know a few select individuals there already. So it's not like I knew no one. So I had a classmate uh, that worked at the station that I was going to work at. Um, The girl who I met at Lululemon she also worked there. Oh, okay. Um, and then two friends from Laurier that were just kind of acquaintances. They had moved up there so that uh, one of them could go to nursing at Lakehead. And so I did know a few random people, <laughs> a crazy bunch. But uh, yeah, it was strange. My mom, God love her. God love her because she flew out there with me and tried to help get me situated. We were looking for a place. Finding a place was impossible because it was end of August. A bunch of kids were coming back for the school year Yeah, just after kind of COVID started settling down a little bit. So <laughs> things were a little wild at first. Um, but those two people from Laurier were so unbelievably nice that they let me move in with them for a couple of weeks until I could find a place. So that was like a godsend. It's like they were my guardian angels while I was there and helped me ease in. And living away from home in a place that you've never been it's kind of just cool. It's cool to explore and be like, wow, I don't know where I'm going today, but we'll find out. And working in news there was helpful as well because you are learning about the city at the same time as you're teaching about the city to the, you know, the viewers and stuff. Mm -hmm. So that, that was helpful. Did you, was that TV? Yeah. So I worked at Thunder Bay television. Um, 
it's a private channel there. It's one of like the last private news channels in the country. Um, and yeah, I was a TV reporter and anchor there covering God knows what. Covering <laughs> murders, um, sports. What was the weirdest elections. story? That's a good question. Weirdest or most morbid? Are we keeping it chill? Most morbid. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll never forget. First or second week of working there. My boss is like, you got to cover this murder. It's, it's big. It's breaking. You got to go there. And I'm like, oh God, a murder. Turns out there's some gang activity up around there because the houses are cheaper. People from Southern Ontario go up and run some kind of operations out of houses there and stuff like that. So um, it's not as crazy as people make it sound, but there are some bad things that go down. And someone was tied to a propane tank and it was exploded. And I had to go cover this murder on my first week on the job. And it was intense. And so that kind of set the scene of, oh, I work in news now. This is not all fun and games. This is real life. I so was, I was going to ask that. I was going to be like, what was it like to go from, you know, sports, which is, you know, it, it's not all happy, yeah. but it's like a lot better than the hard news. What was it totally. like, I guess, going from... You know, just, I, I don't, I don't want to say it's like, just like, it's like skipping through life. Like it's all yeah, happy. And no, then that's true. what is it like to go from that to, to, you know, covering a murder or covering something else that's yeah. horrible? You know what? Um, I'm really good at separating things and I'm a realist and I just say, you know, these things happen. Um, so emotionally, I think I'm a capable person to handle news because it can be dark for sure. Mm hmm. Um, but there are also interesting things to cover in the news too. So I just took it as a learning opportunity and as someone who's loved sports their whole life and was hoping that I'd make it into the sports world at some point, I kind of just sat back and said, who knows how long I'll be in news. I might as well learn as much as I can and soak it in and try all these new things while I can. So example, elections. I was not a huge politics nerd growing up. I tried my best to be informed to vote and things like that, but I was never, you know, on the beat. Yeah. Um, but, you know, covering things like that, issues that municipal politics reveal, like, it's it's pretty interesting. And a lot of people are like, no, you're lying. But I'm, you know what? You give it a go and see what's going on in your neighborhoods and things like that. So, honestly, it's it's not all dark. It's not all dark. And what, in Ottawa, was it radio or was it both? So Ottawa, yes. Once I moved to Thunder Bay, I got an opportunity with City News in Ottawa. Like once you got there? A couple months in. Okay. So I only spent four months in Thunder Bay. And I had thought it would be around a year. I was going to get a lot of TV experience, things like that. But an opportunity came up with City News Ottawa um, that I was intrigued by. And so it was a full-time job as a radio news anchor with okay. City News Ottawa. Um, but after speaking to some mentors and some, some people within the industry that I get advice from, they said, listen, there's a Rogers TV station in Ottawa. Yes, it's volunteer, but if you go get in with Rogers, get in with city news and, you know, volunteer with Rogers TV on the side, you can still get stuff going for your demo on TV while also being in the Rogers family. Mm -hmm. which is important as well because as we know rogers owns a million things right yeah. Sportsnet, city everything um and so i thought okay this is interesting obviously no one wants to volunteer forever but you got to grind while you while you have to yeah. you got to start somewhere and what's interesting is in thunder bay i was getting a lot of television experience but none of it was live so as a reporter, I could do as many takes on my stand-up as I wanted, yeah. right? Time limiting. Um, and then anchoring, even though that's live, you're still reading off a prompter, right? So I thought, okay, this is true. I could get a lot of live television reporting experience. So I thought, you know what? Let's go for it. There's a lot more opportunity within Ottawa as well in the sports scene. So I packed up my bags. My dad flew out. God bless my dad. And we packed up my Thunder Bay place, drove to Mississauga for the holidays and onward to Ottawa. So Ottawa, you're going to love this. First weekend, I'm starting to train. 
I'm anchoring the news. I'm like, wow, I'm doing it. Two days in to being on the air, the Freedom Convoy. (laughs) And you know what? A blessing and a curse because number one, it was absurd. But number two, like I was just thrown right into the fire to the point where I'd be on the air just winging it, just ad-libbing because stuff was just coming through and always changing. And I'm just watching a TV and just spewing what I'm seeing, you know, like it was insane for a couple of weeks. And that I feel like I couldn't have learned any better. What did did you think of Ottawa? I, I went there in the summer and I actually put on Twitter, like Ottawa was in my top five cities in Canada. And a lot of people disagreed with me. You know what? People that are disagreeing with you have probably never been there for an extended period of time. Like, I'm not talking just a weekend visit. I'm talking at least one, two, three weeks there to kind of just see what what it's like. Mm -hmm. And that's another place that I moved without ever really being there. I think when I was young, maybe I had been there for a weekend or something, but nothing that I remembered. And I thought, all right, here we go. And you got to move there knowing that it's not going to be Toronto. Yeah. You know it's not a hustling bustling city at all you know hours of the night and day so when i moved there i was moving from thunder bay so i knew that it was gonna be pretty good yeah even though shout out thunder bay have nothing bad to say about it but it is pretty remote so ottawa loved it love the green space there's so many outdoor options for people um Getting around's pretty okay. I know there's a lot of issues with the transit system that people <laughs> like to talk about, but I had a great experience there and nothing bad to say about Ottawa either. Yeah, the winters are cold, but this is Canada, okay? <laughs> and I remember when you started doing the Marley's stuff, you were still living in Ottawa. Yeah. Uh, that, that always, like, it, it was surprising. Like, I remember it would be like every weekend you'd come and we'd talk and be like, have you found a place yet? And you're like, nope, I'm still going back to Ottawa. And I'm like, oh my God, what, how, how did you, like, how did you, how do you do that? Like, like how how long it felt like, it felt like it went on for like two or three months. Yeah. 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 Honestly. So in Ottawa, like I said, I volunteered a lot with Rogers TV I got great experience covering, you know, ultimate Frisbee football, some uh, Ottawa 67s at the start of the season, um, preseason, stuff like that. Um, And I just added to my reel throughout the year. Right. And when I saw a job posting on LinkedIn for MLSE looking for broadcasters, a bunch of my friends had sent it to me saying, you got to apply, you got to apply. So I sent in my demo, didn't think twice, never heard back for a couple months, completely forgot about it, to be honest. And I got invited to audition um, to join the Marley's broadcast team. And so I thought, oh my goodness. (laughs) When I saw that email, I was losing it. I thought it was fake. I was like, what? (laughs) And so I saw it and I thought, okay, I have to go audition. But I was honest with them from the get-go. I responded and said, listen, I live in Ottawa. And that being said, this is like a dream come true. So I'm gonna come for the audition, see how things go. Um, and we'll just go from there. So I drove down for the audition, did it, was so nervous that I thought there's no way that I'm going to continue, but you know what? Good experience. I at least got to audition and see what that was like. Um, and lo and behold, a couple weeks later, things, things got finalized and they had asked me to join the Marley's broadcast team as the, the content host and, uh, ringside reporter. And it was tough because I was like, okay. Am I going to uproot my life again to move to Toronto for something that may, you know, lead to something else, but also at the same time, like to join the Marley's broadcast team already hearing that, like that, that was a dream come true moment Mm -hmm. being asked to join. And like, I thought I'd be covering, you know, leagues way lower than that for years until I would get an opportunity like that. And so I kind of weighed the pros and cons and talked to some mentors again who love them because I reach out to them all the time. And they said, this is your chance. This is your chance to get in and get more experience. And I thought, you're right. This is my chance. I need to make it happen. But the season was coming up in two weeks Mm -hmm. and I was like, what am I going to (laughs) do? What am I going to do? 
So I just decided, I took a look at the Marley schedule. And as you probably remember, the first, you know, October, November, there were a certain number of home games. Then there was like a three week stretch in between where they were on the road. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, if I can at least get through October, November commuting from Ottawa and keeping my job in Ottawa, then maybe by December, I could figure out a way to find another job in Toronto and make this work. And so that's how I started out. And I said, okay, I'm going to commute, make this happen. And there were some games where we'd finish at 7, 7.30 and I'd be driving right back to Ottawa to go to work in the morning. Or there were some games that would finish at 10 or 10.30 and I'd go sleep at my parents, wake up at 5 and then drive right to work in Ottawa. So there were some trying times for sure. But after, you know, dis- when December rolled around, I had finally solidified a transfer to City News 680, which was incredible. Um, being on the radio in Toronto as well, like that's also shocking to me yeah. that I'm able to do that. So transferring, you know, making the Marley season work and just doing a few months of the commuting and, you know, the there were some definitely tired times there for sure because I didn't have any vacation days left at my old job. <laughs> so it was like, I just have to make it happen. Um, and my boss there was extremely amazing, su- super supportive, helpful with getting my transfer done. And yeah, I transferred mid-December back to Toronto, lived at my parents for a couple weeks until I did find my place for January 1st. I, I did want to ask uh, just the audition part. What, how did, like, what, what did you do for an audition? Yeah, so basically I got there and before the audition uh the night before or something like that one of the individuals sent me kind of something to go over that looked like a bit of a broadcast intro Mm -hmm. so similar to what i do now um on the broadcast and just intro the game and you know how things are going to look for the matchup that kind of thing um as well as who i'd be interviewing at the intermission so one of the individuals acted as one of the players i think it was alex steves actually who they were faking to be, yeah, um, which is funny. So, um, so I was preparing those items and getting ready, and just obviously I woke up early and rehearsed it a million times. <laughs> um, and when I got there, I kind of did those two items. I did them a few takes, and then they threw a few more curveballs at me just to see how I could handle a few things, some in stadium hosting, um, some social stuff, just to kind of see how I fare in those areas as well. Um, yeah. And it was quick. It was nice and quick. 15, 20 minutes. Oh, it was only that short. Yeah, it was short. And, but it was great because, you know, they're efficient. They got things done. Um, they did give me multiple takes, which was awesome because I feel like the first one you do, you're kind of distressed and you're, you're blacking out and you're like, Oh my God, how was that one? I wasn't breathing, you know? (laughs) Um, so it was nice. And it was one of those moments where I, I just was like, that went terribly. I was so bad, but you know what? At least I got the experience. And sometimes people say when they think they nail it, they don't get the job. And then when they think that they mess everything up is when they get the offer. So it was, it was one of those situations. And I guess going after that too, like what, what, how much have you enjoyed or I, I feel like you already covered the answer of like, you know, when you got the job, what you were feeling, but what has it been like, I guess, I don't even know how many, I'm so bad with how many months we're in. We're like six months or five months. Six. Yeah. Well, it started end of October ish. Yeah. See, I'm thinking end of September. That's how bad my time skills are. But yet like what, what, how, what has the experience been like doing that? Well, it's interesting because I've never fully covered a team. The stuff I was doing in Ottawa was very similar to this, but it wasn't, it was random. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh, we're covering this game for these two teams in the ultimate Frisbee league. Can you, can you help out? Totally. So this has been a totally eye-opening experience of, you know, watching a team from start to finish of a season. And it's been incredible. Like I didn't know I would like it this much, especially as someone who I find the reason I'm in journalism and have found that I've liked this industry is because I truly genuinely 
want to know these people. Like I want to know more about them. Yeah. And not just as hockey players. Like I find some of the most interesting things come, you know, behind the camera or things like that. And of course I'm interested in hockey. I love the game and I'm genuinely interested watching these guys play and, you know, succeed. But I truly want to know more about them in every way possible. Mm -hmm. And I find that's why I'm intrigued in journalism and that I've found that this is the right industry for me because I'm just curious and I love it. What was your, uh, you know, you talk about this technically, like it's kind of like a dream job. Like Mm -hmm. you're doing hockey, you're doing something you love. What was the welcome moment for you? Like, like, you know, you, you sit there like for me, uh, I think I've told you the welcome to the Marlies or AHL or covering pro hockey in general moment was when I was watching a practice and uh, I don't know who it was, but they snapped a puck at the glass and the glass shattered right in front of me. And that was like my welcome to the AHL moment that like I'll remember for a long time. Do you, is there a moment that you remember that, you know, you thought, okay, this is like, I'm actually here. I'm doing this. That's a good question. I don't know if I have one yet. I think playoffs might be that moment because the first couple months of doing this, I was so focused and so focused on saying the right things and, you know, coming up with the right questions and the right prep and the work that I was so focused on that. I didn't really take a step back to actually enjoy the moments of, you know, finally doing this and working in sports because yeah. I was almost there. I was working in news, which I still really enjoy and still love, but sports has always been the dream. It's been the goal. And I was just so focused on, you know, succeeding myself that I didn't really take a moment to kind of step back. And I think a couple months in now that I'm more comfortable, even just chatting with Todd pregame or Todd and Becky pregame, like it feels just so normal and natural that I feel that maybe I will have one of those moments in the playoffs. Yeah, that'll, it'll be interesting, especially I've I've never covered them in the playoffs too. And I remember a few years back when the Marlies won the Calder Cup, like like the reporters were on the ice interviewing players. I, I'm very curious to know if, if they ever did that and I'm there, whether I could go on to the ice and interview them. But yeah, no, that's... I, I feel like for you too, like it has been a dream for you. I, I think it would be different if you were a Leafs fan. Totally. Like for me, when I started doing hockey, like it was really cool to go to Scotiabank Arena. Like I remember I'd sit there and I'd I'd just be like, I'm here. Like I've yeah. I've got to the place that I kinda wanna be. Um, and then a few games in, I hate doing social bank arena now just because it's too big. Yeah. Like, like you get to stay in one spot, but like for me, like we got to go the media gondola Yeah. and it's like 300 levels. I don't even know if I told you, but when the last game that was there, uh, it was so weird. Like. I saw you guys before the game and you were like, get the banana bread because the banana bread apparently is really good there and it is good. Oh yeah. Um, so I got that and then I walked upstairs and I was told by Todd, you know, take the service elevator up. So I walked around the whole ring, the bottom, and I was trying to find the service elevator and I could not find it. So I'm walking around Scotiabank Arena, the lower bowl with a plate of banana bread and I'm just circling it, trying to find this elevator. And I walk by like Belleville players. I walk by Logan Shaw and he's like, Oh, how, the banana bread. How is it? And I'm like, I, I haven't tried it yet. I didn't say that I was, you know, looking for this stupid elevator. And then I finally was like, screw it. Like I went to the ones that like people can take up. So I did that and I had the banana bread and I don't know if you've ever, have you been to the media gondola? Yeah. So they have like the little like cooler fridges that you can get water from. So for Marley's games, it's locked. Um, I don't even know if I'm supposed to be saying this, but 
they have drinks in the press box, um, but they were locked for the Marley's game. So I went down to the media room and they have the little Coke machines. So I'm like, I'm just going to get water here. Like, you know, I don't want pop. I already had like coffee. So <laughs> they have a little button on the machine. Like, you know, where if it's iced tea, you can press it and you can get water. Yeah. So it was soda water. So I was like, it was soda water and Sprite. So I was like, okay, Sprite can't be the worst thing. So I pressed it, hoping that water, soda water would come out and it came out as Sprite. And I was like, okay, not bad, but I don't want it. So then I got another cup and I was like, let me just have Coke. So I put the, pressed the Coke and there was no syrup. So it was just like dirty soda water. So I dumped it out and went to get more. And there was a guy standing behind me. So I was already stressed out. Like, I'm like, this guy probably thinks like, what is this person doing? So I went to go get another Coke on the other side because there's another Coke thing. And it came out again, like dirty soda water. So I just, I, I, I was walking around one time with um, banana bread. The next time I come down, I'm walking around with two cups of drinks. And I'm like, I really hope people aren't like, what is this guy doing? Like, why does he have two drinks? But all because they didn't have water. But yeah, end of story. Like it's, it it's fun to experience it. And I guess like you've like you for you like you stood outside the Leafs dressing room. Yeah. So that was probably pretty fascinating. Yeah, so cool. Um. Yeah, the players were walking in. So the first Scotiabank Marley's game was a doubleheader. So. Marley's in the early afternoon, Leafs at night. So a lot of the Leafs had arrived at the building and were starting to walk into the dressing room. So that was a cool moment to just be in their presence and think, wow, I'm at Scotiabank Arena. I was so focused on the game too that I was just like in the zone. And I remember looking up from my laptop and I just see like the Leafs walking in and I'm like, oh, wow. Did you even see me walk by the second time? I don't even, I, you I don't didn't. even know. Because I, walked, I was walking by you and I thought you were looking at me. So I said out loud, I was just like, don't ask, like, because you already saw me once and you didn't respond. And I was like, oh, great. I'm Sometimes when I'm in the zone, <laughs> like someone will speak to me and I just, there's nothing. There's nothing. And I'm just, and then once the game's over, I relax. Yeah. I don't know how you do that. I Writing is so nice and like, you know, doing YouTube videos because you can edit. True. But like I watched one because they do the Marley's games on the Leafs app. So I decided one time, I'm like, you know what? I want to see what this looks like. So I went on and I just heard you talk for like a minute straight and you're pulling out all these stats. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, how do you, how do you remember all of that stuff? I don't know. It's just, it's just, I just go. I just go for it. Something I like about live television is there's no redos. Yeah. You just got to go for it. And I find anytime that I pre-tape something, so sometimes based on the game or if there's a certain time that I need to record something to be played in the broadcast, I'll like do a pre-tape just before the game. And if I know that it's being recorded to be used later and I know maybe I could do a second take, like I, I'm never as good. Yeah. I, I overthink I it that. too much. So when it's live, it's just, it's a one and done. And I like that pressure. Yeah, I remember in school too, like they, teachers would be like, like you'd screw up and as a, like a student or a journalist, student, journalist, student or whatever, you'd be like, oh shit. Like you just stop and you'd be still like on camera and you'd just be like, oh fuck, I messed up. And like, you'd have a person in your ear being like, like you can't stop. Like, the, and they say like, if you mess up, just keep going. Like a lot of people who watch TV won't even notice you mess up. Yeah, that's like, true. It's, do you ever watch TV and you see somebody mess up on TV and you're like, oh, they messed up bad. And like people... Absol like barely. If barely. they mess up, I'm just like, oh, they're human. Yeah. And the mistakes are so minuscule, unless it's like an egregious mistake. Like you said the wrong player name or something like that. Yeah. That's bad. <laughs> but if it's just a, a word stumble or something like that, it's always worse in your head. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Like there's times where I see it and like I'll sit with my girlfriend and I'll be like, oh, that person messed up. And she'll be like, where? 
It's, yeah. it's interesting. Like you have that journalistic yes. thing in your I head. I definitely notice everything now. Yeah. I'm also looking for it too. Because also I, I watch other journalists too to see how I can be better as well and pick things up off of them. And I, again, I'm just like lucky one of those people that if I do make a mistake in the moment, I'm just like, well, can't change the past on to the next. Yeah. Like I, I don't dwell on the mistakes, which yeah. I'm lucky about. Yeah. It's sometimes like, especially for me, like it's, you get in your head a lot mm-hmm. and that's not the best, but that's yeah. you're human. Like it's, it's going to happen. So like just being able to zone, get out of that part and just, you know, to do everything that you're supposed to do is the best but like in school too it's you get you get mistakes or you you know you mess up or you know and when you mess up like for me I'm the type of person who overthinks so if I mess up I'm like oh this person hates me now I'm I'm so down in the thing when in reality it's just like like for questions for hockey players like for the Marlies like I'll stumble upon a question or I'll stumble on a question and just ramble on about something. And I'll be like, I'm such a, like, I'm an idiot. Like, how did I mess that up? Well, it it never comes out the way that you want. (laughs) And you can't just be sitting in the corner rehearsing how to ask a question because that's not natural. You want to speak to them like they're people, you know? Yeah. And I find there's some games that I finish and I think back to some interviews during the intermission or whether it's post game or something like that. And I think, wow, that I butchered that question, but that's how you learn. Yeah. So I find that if it doesn't come out the right way that time, maybe you'll know how to fix it for the next one, or maybe you'll just focus more on the words coming out of your mouth, but it's tough. It's honestly tough. People criticize journalists so much, but it's really hard when you're in the moment. It's like people think it's just easy to ask a question. Yeah. But it's like you got to first figure out the question. Yep. And then it's like you got to pull that question off. And like you might, um, again, like you might ramble. For me, I ramble. But that's why it's good to cover a team. Because if these are random events and you don't know the people you're asking questions yeah. to, you, you don't know what's the best appropriate way to ask them. Mm-hmm. And what I've found is like throughout the season, I've gotten to know the players just a little bit more and you know what they're comfortable talking about or you know something that they're excited to talk about um certain line mates certain things like that so it 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 helps if you've been around them and you know what questions they respond well to yeah Yeah. and it it does help too like i've been told like like they don't remember these questions like it's like they come out they don't some of them don't even want to do it most of them don't so it's like they come out i always put in my head no one wants to talk to me right now they want yeah. to be in the room celebrating. So let's get let's get it done quick, efficiently, get this done, and have a great day. Exactly. And that's, for me, like, when I get told, like, they don't even pay attention. Like, not not that they don't pay attention, but, like, they hear the question, they answer the question, and then it, it's gone oh, in their yeah. mind. I, I find that, like, it's it's easier when you hear that. Um but yeah, no, it's it's never a dull moment covering a hockey team. Yeah, I agree. And yes, hockey has its issues here and there, but most sports do. And even though there are issues, there's so much good work out there that's being done to make it a better sport overall. And one thing that I love is I'm part of a team that is is pretty diverse and include in the inclusion that I feel within the team is incredible. Mm -hmm. I never feel like an outsider. I never feel like I don't belong there. So they've done a really good job at welcoming other people in. And I feel like there's hope. Yeah, that it's especially on that topic, too. Like, I find that the the newest newer generations that come are so much different Mm -hmm. than the older generations. Like, there's so many people who are different, diverse um, in every type of way that like a lot of them are more accepting and i think with hockey like that's how we're gonna i mean move forward is like you're gonna get those people who are more accepting and hopefully that's the case and hopefully um it's not uh just like older people like teaching these young hockey players 
you know, to be this one type of way because that's, to me, it's not the right way to do things. Yeah. Like, It's nice to have a lot of different types of thinking in one yeah. kind of organization. Mm-hmm. So I feel like having diverse thinkers as well as people, of course, is so helpful when it comes to growing the sport as well. And I know there's all always talk about, you know, hockey's falling behind, hockey's falling behind, but it's still an incredibly popular sport. Yeah. It's still one of Canada's biggest sports, I would say. And there is so much room for growth. So I feel like it's it's still going to be top top of the the crop. Now, this is totally switching, but like it's not really, but it is like just the question of like, you know, you're in hockey. Yep. Is there like what is the end goal? Like what like for me, like Leafs beat reporter I told you was the top and it might not be the top now, but it was like, where, what is that? If like a job mountain, what's the the peak of that mountain? The peak. It's interesting you say that because I don't have a peak. Like when I was in college, remember how I said, I didn't actually know what I wanted to do. Like, did I want to be on air? Did I want to produce? I'll try some things out here and there. And so coming into an on air role, like out of school, I've just been kind of going with the flow. I know that sounds so like generic, but I'm just going with it and seeing how much I like each thing. And so learning different skills, doing different things. Like now that I'm in sports in general, I definitely want to stay in the sports scene for my entire career, hopefully. Um, But when it comes to sports, like hockey obviously is one of my favorites. I played it my whole life growing up, but I'm super, super interested in other sports like basketball I love, but even things like curling, like I'm a big curling fan. Are you really? Yes. I absolutely love it. I don't curl, but I love watching. I just finished watching the Scotties. The Briar's on now. Really into it. Um, But it's things like that. Like, I just love competition. Mm -hmm. I love watching athletes be very intense. I just love the intensity of competition. And when it comes to sports, like, I would just love to be in this realm for my career. You're in the perfect field for competition, too. Yep. (laughs) Like working the Olympics one day, that's definitely a dream. But right now, I don't have a peak job that I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. I'm just open to sports opportunities in the future. And like, what do you do? Like, what do you enjoy outside of hockey? Or not hockey per se, but like sports in general. Like, what, I guess, like for me, like I'm a big, I love YouTube. Like, yeah. I love watching YouTubers. Uh, what's like a day to day, like an off day, like you're not doing anything today. Like what are the things that you do if it's not watching sports? So in the summer, I love camping. Like I'm big, big into camping. So that's a big thing in the summer. Um, in the winter, I'm kind of a wuss. I don't really like the outdoors in the winter. I do know how to ski and snowboard, that kind of thing. Like I grew up with my parents, uh, putting me in lessons and stuff cause they loved it. Um, obviously skating and things like that, but I'm not a big outdoor activity person because the cold is just too much. Yeah. But on day to day, like I love concerts. I'm a big concert goer. I'm going to uh, Bonnaroo music festival this year in Tennessee. So I'm big into these types of things. And then, um, I'm in a family band. Oh, are you, are you really? I am. I am. Some people on Instagram, I've, I've thrown it up on my story here and there. We haven't done a song in a while, but basically when my family was all quarantined together during COVID, um, I have three brothers, but two of them and myself were living at home during COVID with my parents. And my dad was just like, all right, guys, we're all going to start hating each other soon. So let's just form a band Mm -hmm. and we'll just play music. And I was like, yeah, got nothing better to do. Why not? So what do you play? So in the family band, I play bass. My brothers play whatever, everything. My dad's the lead singer slash band leader. My mom plays keys. And my boyfriend, Duncan, who I met during COVID, just so happens to play drums. So he's like in the family band too. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so this whole group of, uh, of people. Um, so yeah, we do that here and there. Uh, I'll send you a video. That's crazy. Yeah. I... I, for one, I didn't even know. I seen, I saw one Instagram story of yours and I think it was your dad singing. Yep. Yep. And I was like, 
Oh, like she's just there supporting her dad singing at a concert. So that was that was his band. Oh, he has a band. He has too. a separate band. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so big music family. Love concerts. Love camping. But day to day, I just cook. I watch Netflix. I do regular people stuff. You know. Yeah. Who's your favorite musician? Oof. Singular or band. I guess that's tough. I guess both. Okay. This is tough. I can never usually pick, but my top two bands of all time are Pearl Jam and Tragically Hip. You got Tragically Hip shirt on. I know. That's that's a coincidence that you asked that. Um, Those are my two favorite bands forever and ever. Um, My favorite artist is Bowie. Never... David Bowie. Oh, David Bowie. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, Bowie? Who's Bowie? (laughs) David Bowie. Oh, so you're like a, you like old, like older music. I'm definitely an old time soul for sure. That's interesting. I remember, I think it was like at the end of the year. Don't ask me how I remember this, but I remember a lot of things. You said, you said to me that you wanted to listen to more Queen. That was your New Year's (laughs) resolution. (laughs) That was my New Year's resolution. It's going well. It's going well, but maybe I need to check myself and get back on track because lately I've just been slacking. I I find it so fast. A lot of like people who are really, really into music and play music are into older yeah. music. I don't know. Maybe I just grew up that way, I but like, I mean, I'm into everything. I like everything. Yeah. That's just a generic thing people say, but it's true. Like there's no one genre I hate. Like I don't even hate country. I know some people do, and they're strong with those feelings, but I've been to Boots and Hearts. No not, big deal. I'm not a fan of Boots and Hearts. <laughs> my girlfriend has been like, oh, we need to go. I'm like, I'm not going to that. So my mom used to go every year with her friends. They would rent an RV and go. Wow. Yeah. And I remember- It's better than a tent. Oh, of course. Um, and I just remember sneaking into the VIP section where my mom was camping with her friends. Being like, Mom, I've only eaten Wonder Bread. Feed me, please. <laughs> and uh, yeah, shout out to those ladies because they know how to do boots and hearts for sure. That's, I, yeah, I, country music for me, it's never been, I've never. I, I can mess with it. I like, the only song I like is Cruise by Florida Georgia Line. That definitely reminds me of high school. Yep. I'm not going to date myself here, but uh Prom, after prom, cruise was the anthem. Yeah. Yeah. So you're two years older than I think you're two years old. You're 95? Yeah. Yeah. So I remember, I think grade 10, grade 10 science class, I can remember just hearing that song (laughs) over and over and over again. It still stands to this day. Unfortunately, they're not together anymore. Timeless. I love it. I was going to ask, the music festival? Yes, Bonnaroo. What is that? So it's in Tennessee, kind of near Nashville. And it's been around for years, like over 20 years for sure. And it's a big mix of artists and genres. That's how they kind of attract a lot of people there. I went in 2019. Okay. And it was kind of a last, I was a last minute addition to the group. And some friends that I've been friends with my whole life, they were going and they were like, come on, you got to come, you got to come. It's only 12 or 13 hour drive away. Only. <laughs> only. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I asked my friend, can I come with you? She's like, yeah, sure. But I'm going right back to school in New York after. So like, you're going to need a ride home. And I was like, I'll figure it out there. So I just was like, sure, I'll join you for the roadie. I went to Bonnaroo. Turns out the Raptors won the championship. Do you miss it? Well, so it's it's a little bit of a, a tale, but... um. It's the Thursday of the entire festival. So it was a Thursday to Sunday and we're all camping. We're all ready. And we have a way to stream it there because we're with a bunch of Canadians and everyone was really focused. Like we need to see this. The game or the parade? The game. Okay. Like we need to see the game. Like we can't miss it. Mm -hmm. We had even asked the festival if they would like put it on a projector at one of the stages. They said no. Cheers. Um, and so we're setting it up, we're getting ready to stream it and nothing's working. And so we're stressing, we're calling nearby restaurants that are like maybe a 30 minute walk off the grounds to, to watch the game. And all of a sudden this guy runs into our campsite and he says, grab as many drinks as you can and follow me. 
We're like, what? So it was like a mad dash. And it turns out this band that was at the festival ran into just a person on the on the path and they were telling them about our issue. And they're like, oh, we'll play it on the side of our RV for you guys. Like, oh are you God. serious? So they said, yeah. So they put it on the side of their RV, like on one of their TVs there. And at first there was probably 30 of us like gathered around the RV. By the time the end of the game was over, 200 people. Whoa. That, just from word of mouth. And the second the Raptors won the championship, all these 200 people broke out into O Canada. And it was, it was an epic moment. And so that was me watching the Raptors championship win. And then it obviously turned into the best start to the festival because now everyone was relaxed. Yeah. And we, yeah, we just watched some great bands. I remember Childish Gambino was there. Wow, really? Yeah. So it's like real, it's like really, really big. It's big. Yeah. This year's headliners are Foo Fighters, Kendrick, and Odessa. So it's locked and loaded. It's locked and loaded. Uh, let me, this is going to be the last question. If we talked about, you know, the peak of a job, what's the peak of a music festival for you? Wow. Is it Coachella, Lollapalooza, <laughs> or none of them, or just another different one? That's a good question. You know what? I've been to Coachella. You've been to Coachella? I have. I wow. won a trip there. Wow. Yeah. Like I won a contest. I'm not kidding. That's nuts. And it was Beachella, like Beyonce's year. Yeah. I know. Can't compete with that. The luck was on my side that year for sure. So I won a trip to Coachella. So I've been there, been to Bonnaroo. Lollapalooza is definitely on the list. So I think that's got to be the peak. That's crazy. Yeah. That, you already hit the peak. I know. I know. Sometimes I think back to that and I'm like, did I actually go? Yeah. It's like I've, you, you talk about like, it's just so weird when, you know, you don't hear about people, like when contests go on like that, especially that, like you, like for me, like I'm always like, do people even win these things? That's what all my friends had said all my friends now enter contests because they're like, well, Danielle did win that trip to Coachella. So <laughs> that is, there was one time, this is going to be the last thing before I wrap up. Uh, since I am a Leafs fan, or I was, can't be a Leafs fan because I'm a hardcore journalist. Got to have no bias. Absolutely. Um, I was doing a hit or like it's fake news hit in front of, or maybe it was streeters i can't Gotta remember love streeters. yeah i love was, them though that was the worst thing no i've lie. ever done in my life <laughs> i remember one day my teacher was like here take this microphone and walk around the school and just ask questions i'm like that well why like and it was stupid questions i had to do streeters in thunder bay all the time i loved it <sighs> hello but, stranger they see me they're like oh no <laughs> it's 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 mm, i did it one time <laughs> I brought a camera down in front of Union Station and it was like Tim Hortons, like cut the pay of workers or something. So I just stand there and I'd be like, excuse me. Everyone's walking by and I'm like, excuse me, can you, you know, answer the questions? They're like, no. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then some of them don't even respond to you. They just walk by. That's, that was the worst thing. But anyways, I was doing something and they're having Maple Leaf Square um, and at one point, since it's all blocked off, I wasn't in the square. I was outside of it. They were like, hey, like everyone, you can go on Facebook and you can, you know, Real Sports is having a scratch off. You can like go on there and like do a scratch card and like someone's going to win home home opener tickets. I wasn't even in there, but I was like, screw it. Like, let me just try this. And I ended up, I was with uh, one of my, I guess, schoolmates or one of my friends, and uh, he's a Leafs fan too. His name's Stephen Brown. He does YouTube. And uh, yeah, I ended up winning tickets to the home opener. And it was like three or $400 tickets. No way. Yeah. And I think that was when John Tavares was named captain. Come or on. It was either that or when he signed. It was like the first game. I can't remember which one it was. But yeah, that was that was. I'm telling crazy. you, contests are it. They're real. I, 
I, I listen to the radio a lot and they're like, you know, <laughs> I think one of the radio stations I listen to is like, you can, you know, sign up or they have keywords and it's like, you can, we'll pay your rent for the year. I've been hearing that. And I'm like, and I'm intrigued. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good thing. Yeah. But anyways, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Um, I don't, I've been thinking about how I want to end off things, but like, I guess I'll, like I want to do it differently than other people, but you know, it's, it's so hard to figure out how to do that. Like, I just don't just do trial and error. Um, I guess like if you want to plug your socials, like wherever you want people to find you. Yeah. People can find me on Twitter Dan- at Danielle Bain. You can find me on Instagram at D Bain because there's three eyes <laughs> in it. Um, but yeah, you can find me. You can find me on social. I'll be there. I'll continue to be there for you. For for all the Marley's fans? <laughs> for all the Marley's fans. Lots of Marley's excitement coming up because playoffs is around the corner and just wow. The team's to... electric. Come on. They are. It's it's going to be interesting, especially when the Leafs, I hope they don't play both at the same time. Yeah. But they probably will. We'll see. Actually, no, they get a bye. So, yeah. so that'll be good. But anyways, if you've made it this far, if you've made it however far, thank you so much for watching. Uh, click like if you're on YouTube. Click subscribe if you're on YouTube as well. Uh, I, again, I, I don't even, these podcasts aren't even up yet, so I don't know how to end this. But subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and yeah, I also do this thing. I've created a saying. So it's like the journey creates the person, and the person also creates the journey, and that's how I end it off. So. The person creates the journey, the journey creates the person. Thanks for listening.